one piece of advice I would have is before you spend any sort of money on research and development and marketing and everything like that, try to visit a patent attorney, try to get some clearance and peace of mind that that which you are embarking on is going to be worth it. Because when somebody comes to me, we're ready, we're ready to go. It's the worst thing in the world for me to have to deliver bad news. You are listening to my good friend and wonderful colleague, David Postolsky, who is a U.S. patent attorney and a partner in the U.S. firm of Gerhard Lowe. David is also a professor at Temple University and Parsons School of Design. I invited David to talk about his commitment to the cannabis community, as he is a founder of a cannabis accelerator called Greenleft. David's story is inspiring. You should check out his TEDx talk. Listen to our conversation about filing patents at times when you're not completely sure about the different applications or uses of your technology. This is at times a decision which is difficult to make. Sometimes you need to take the plunge and file a very wide patent application in order to secure a priority date because the price of not doing so, especially in cannabis, may be that it will be too late when you have a good investor seeking IP protection. So, a new episode of Protecting Your Value. Here we go. Welcome to Protecting Your Value, where it's all about protecting your technology, your inventions, and your brands. If there's anyone who knows anything about the need to protect your creative assets, it is your host, Ilanit Appelfeld. Hi, David. Hi, Ilanit. Good to see you. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Gosh, how long has it been? I remember meeting you at the AIPPI. Yeah, that was about almost six years ago when we first met. Unbelievable. It was a big uh, IP conference in Israel. And I remember that you mentioned that you were planning to move to Israel. Yes, yes. And I actually did. So well done for moving to Israel. <laughs> and I was, uh, I've been living in Israel now about 19 months. I moved from uh, New York, where I'm from. And I uh, moved to uh, Jerusalem. And it's been uh, an amazing journey these last... Uh, year and nine months. It's been great. Excellent. Although I've seen you in and out of Israel, you know, it's the funniest Aliyah that I've ever seen. But uh, well, well done. Actually, yeah, it's funny. Um, the, the, the Minister of Interior actually uh, took away my uh, Aliyah benefits because I spent so much time outside of Israel. You're kidding. I'm spending about 50% of my time still in America, but um, spending more and more long periods of time here in Israel, which is what the, which is what I want to do. I want that stability. I want to be more here. But yes, I definitely have obligations still in the States for sure. So I know that you have a lot of experience with working with accelerators. So could you explain to our listeners what you actually mean by accelerator and maybe a little bit about the differences between an incubator and an accelerator? Yes. So I am, I've been an intellectual property attorney for about 17 years. And about 10 years ago, which is about almost 10 years into my career, decided to devote my, devote my life to entrepreneurs and startups and different things. And uh, one of the ways that I do that is I get involved in usually venture-based, like venture capital-based organizations all around the world that are called accelerators that help launch different companies, about eight to 10 companies every six months. And I've been fortunate enough to work with a lot, uh, 
many different types of accelerators because they're usually based like in mechanics or software or cannabis or something like that. So I've been fortunate enough to work with them as the intellectual property mentor, teaching the companies, educating the companies. Sometimes they become my clients, sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. About the, the the benefits and value of intellectual property of a patent, a trademark, a copyright, a trade secret, and um, yeah, it's been it's re- been really fun. They it's it's been a great source of clients for me, but it's also more than that. It's been great to to help these companies kind of build and grow and see them launch. And you know, I've been doing it for already ten years, so I've seen them some fail, but I've seen many grow. Um, but there is a big difference between what an accelerator is and what an incubator is. And I want, think it's important to highlight this because of the definition of what those are in Israel as well. Yes. So for all the listeners, usually when, you, in, when you're living in Israel and you say you're in Israel and you have an Israeli accelerator, that usually is the U.S. equivalent of what an incubator is in the United States. So. We're talking about very small companies that need services and incubation, like a real incubator. They need love and they need attention and they need money and they need to kind of grow themselves a little bit. So the the Israeli accelerator equals the U.S. incubator. Okay. My experience was working with the U.S. version of an accelerator, which I don't think there is a equivalent in Israel. And that is, it's, they're, not acting, uh, they're not acting as an incubator, the, the accelerator in, in, in the United States. The accelerator is looking for companies that have already grown, right? They've already gone through the incubation process, and they're looking to accelerate their growth. So they already have companies, or they already, ha- they already have a company, they already have founders, they already have intellectual property usually, and they're looking to further expand their portfolios, further expand their markets. Those are the types of companies, the types of accelerators that I've worked with for the last 10 years. It's a big difference between the type of companies. So, that so if talks. I'm an Israeli company looking okay. for uh, funding and a bit of uh, coaching, management, yes. then I would, I would look for an incubator in Israel. Right. If you're a small company and you're looking for that, you would look for an incubator in Israel. What's become very popular for Israeli companies is they maybe have skipped the incubation process or maybe they've gone through an incubator and they look to Israel, they look to United States or Europe to accelerate into that market and they're looking for US-based accelerators. Absolutely. From yeah. what I've seen and something that very much describes the Israeli economy, that's a small startup start, you know, they start small, the technology is a driver and then they very quickly arrive some proof of concept. And then they want to accelerate it as fast as they can yes. with, a, with as little funding as they can. And I know that you've identified an amazing niche, with, which is a cannabis niche, that you want to set up a, an accelerator in the field of cannabis. Because being a patent attorney who has a lot of experience in the cannabis world puts you in a better position to filter candidates. Was this the motivation behind the decision? To set up the accelerator? It was. I was also fortunate uh, to get introduced to the world of cannabis uh, about uh, 10 or 12 years ago with a very large company today in the United States. But when I met them, they were a small company just in the state of Colorado. They were, they, now, now they're in you know, seven or eight different countries. 
And so I was very fortunate enough to become their intellectual property counsel and grow them and got me very interested in the field. And I stayed involved. And exactly what you just said, like I, for, 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 many, for, for many years, investors or companies would come and say, you know, what can we do? How can we move? How can we, how can we move in this cannabis space when it's not legal? And sometimes it is legal. In some, some states it is. Medical, recreation, all the drama in, in cannabis. So um, we, I, was, uh, I, I, I thought about it from a you know, 30,000 foot view and realized that there is something missing in this space. And that is having some sort of accelerator specifically geared to launching small companies or maybe even, you know, as we say, pre-seed companies that have no money, they've gotten no help from anybody or maybe a little help from friends and family but not from investors. And so I thought that was the, the niche that we were trying to solve. And, um, and so, we, so, yeah, we decided to set up an accelerator in Israel. There's so much activity here. There's uh, very little restriction on research and development in the field of cannabis in Israel, which is why we chose Israel, not because I live here, because really this is the place to do your research and development in cannabis. You mean, oh, you mean do the R&D in Israel? Yeah, do the R&D in Israel. And then take them outside. Correct, correct. It's so hard to do your R&D in the United States because of the regulations and the fact that it's not legal in, it's not legal in the United States. It has to be legal in all 50 states, not just in 32 states as it is now. And so that causes restrictions from the FDA and research and universities and hospitals and, and companies. They don't want to get, they don't want to touch research and development. So they usually want to do their research and development in Israel where there is very little restrictions. Mm, that explains so, a yeah, lot. Yeah, it does. And so mm. that's, Israel was like the perfect breeding ground for this. It's also where you can grow, right? It's the, 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 the mecca of, of you know, agricultural technology. And so, uh, yeah, we decided to set up um, a uh, cannabis accelerator. Again, the, uh, the Israel definition of accelerator. So it's kind of like an inc- a cannabis incubator. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you call it an accelerator here. To help these companies grow locally, but try to then launch in uh, the United States or Canada or Europe or wherever it is. And so, yeah, it's exciting. Um, you know, it's uh, not just about helping a company grow, but there's a lot of uh, misinformation, as you can imagine, uh, in, in, in this field of, you know, what's patentable, what's not patentable. Right, right. And so it, it was important for this to have an educational comp- component as well. Right. And, and so teach people about what is protectable, what is not protectable. How do you export? How do you import? How do you market something right. like this? I love it. Yeah. I love. I tell you why. You know, we do um, due diligence for investors in the cannabis world, okay. and we the, the one thing that we see time and time again is that companies have the technology. They don't know what their end product is. Do the due diligence for the investor, and the investor says, "Do they have? Do they have sufficient IP? Do we know what the product market applications are?" And oftentimes we see that, you know, they have no idea what the end product is going to look like. And if you can help companies identify or advise on different applications and take their IP and massage it to be, you know, to correlate with a the product, then it's, it's an amazing asset for the industry to have. That's one of the goals for sure. Exactly. You said it perfectly. That's exactly one of the goals. 
Uh, I think uh, this industry more than any under industry. I mean, you can probably apply that exact definite, the exact example you gave to a lot of different uh, industries, but more so in cannabis because there's so much unknown. It's the wild, wild west now, right? right? So there's no real laws. There's no real guidelines. And so if you really are going to be the company that is going to rise to the top and be invested in, then you must have your intellectual property, whatever that might be, patent, the trademark, whatever. And you must then go through this process that you just described, this due diligence process of understanding what is you have, what has come before you, what is unique, what is novel. What could you protect, Ken? Okay, so, so let's say I'm a CTO um, of a company developing cannabis-related uh, technology. I have a great technology. I'm not sure what the final product is. W- what, what do you think about when is the right time to file a patent application? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate a bit. Say, for example, that CTO knows that the intellectual property needs to be with, with some connection to the final product. Yes. So he, he doesn't have to, to, he doesn't want to have fake patents, but at the same time, he wants to communicate to the board that he has IP, that he's novel, that he has a, a few patent pendings. What would you advise me in such a scenario? Yeah. So, so there are first, a few steps, right? The first thing that they, they should do, even to, to describe to their, broad, to their board what it is they have. They need to do some sort of patent search to determine. That's not going to be doesn't be exhaustive. Right. Something to determine that even their idea, their the 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 product, the formulation, the device, whatever, has some sort of novelty or originality or something like that. After that, then you can make an informed decision as a company, your CTO and your board, that maybe you should file a patent. You, again, to, 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 to read your point, we don't know what it's going to be. We know that we need to do R&D, but we know we also have to file a patent because we got to get ourselves a filing date. We got to get ourselves in line, but we don't know, really know where it's going to go. I think there's a very simple solution to that that I think companies don't appreciate, and it's probably due to the lack of, um, I'll call it education again, about how the patent process could uh, benefit you, and that is... When you file a patent application, and there are all different types of patent applications, but let's say we'll just, we'll talk very generally. If you right. file a patent application, you can file that patent application from a actual and from a theoretical perspective. So what I mean by actual, you're going to describe the product that you now have, that you think you're going to have, that your board has approved, that you did the search on. But you can also include different versions and embodiments from a theoretical standpoint. So if you're working with the right patent attorney that has the correct science background or cannabis backgrounds in this case, you can uh, um, enlarge the scope of the patent application to include further iterations of how your product will be in five years in 10 years in 15 right, years yes. you it doesn't have to you don't have you may never build it that way you never may never make it that way you may never formulate it that way but at least you know that on the day that you filed your patent application in whatever country you choose you know that you have these future iterations these future embodiments that you may want to go forward that will make a board very happy right because from the board's perspective they'll be like Oh, okay, we got it. So we're not only filing on what we do have, but what we could have. And so that uh, gives you uh, additional layers of protection that 
that, that, that are important to have in your application. So I don't think it's a hard problem to solve. I just think it's a, I think, I think boards, boards and CTOs need to understand that better to do, do it that way than wait two years when your product development is done, when your R&D is done, because anything can happen in two years. I agree. Ten other companies could file. Although my question to you now is if you file a very wide patent, what happens if within 12 months you're not ready to convert it to a utility? And I'm, I'm sorry for making it hard. But no, I, it's know, a good question. I see it with a lot of our clients that, you know, they're not ready in 12 months to convert. Yeah, it's a great question. It's, uh, it's a very practical question. Um, you're right. 12 months may not be enough to convert your provisional, your first filing, your patent application to expand it out. Um, but, you know, I think there, I think there are a lot of, there are different strategies that you could adopt. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of refiling a Me provisional because you push up your yeah. priority date, you push up your filing date. But what I am a big fan of is bottom line, convert your application with whatever you know, whatever information you know, whatever information you've learned, convert it. And under, there are different strategies for patent filings in a, in, in a specific country. We'll take the United States for now, where if you needed that extra year or two years or three years, and so you, you have your application on file, it's going through the process. And then, you know, your, your client comes to you and says, okay, now we know what it's going to be like. And that is not in the application. Even with all the theoretical yes. uh, expanding, it's not there. What do we do? Yes. So you can file. There's something called a continuation. Yes, and this is, you can uh, continue it. I can see your smile yeah. because this uh, continuation and CIP is just a U.S. tool. It the, is a U.S. tool. The U.S. Tool. has the acrobatics of patents. Correct. Which unfortunately is not shared by the rest of the world. Right, correct. And we have to live with this um, you, you do, but limitation. Agreed. Listen, I think, I, I think if we're, if, that's why I think it's important to, 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 to limit the conversation to either it's going to be, you're going to file in Israel, or you're going to file in the United States. But if you are going to, to you know, target the United States, the continuation practice of, in, of being your own innovator, being your own improver, and adding that to your patent in a procedural way is an excellent tool. But if you're dealing with just the, is, let's say, the Israeli patent office where that's not allowed, then probably have to defer back to what you said, is maybe refile when you've learned something. Or at the very least, don't file anything until you're at a point where you can file, but you must know that that is with major risk that somebody can file before. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I guess that what we do at the end of the day is we look at who we're dealing with, we look at the technology, and we decide, you know, the further away from the product, the, the, the riskier it becomes to do the first filing. And we just, like you said, it's all about education. Yeah. Listen, it's not, I wanted to say, even with all the acrobatics of the U.S. market, you know, I'll have a client that will come in with what we call like a napkin patent. So like, I don't know anything about what, how this is going to work, but I know it can fit on three pages. It can fit on, it can be, I, I can describe it in three paragraphs. So yeah, we often deal with that issue too, because, you know, not having a full fleshed out idea means you're not going to get really the protection that you want. So what's the point of filing at that point anyway, if it's not going to get you anywhere? So I understand the, the problem, but yeah, you're right. I think it's a case-by-case -case basis. I think it's a technology-by-technology -technology basis. But uh, definitely in the world of cannabis, I would uh, you know, err on the side of filing than not. 
because uh, there's, um, I wouldn't call it a crowded field, but I would call it a field that uh, people are now starting to wake up. Absolutely. And, and, and people are filing. Absolutely. Yeah. We see more and more traction in cannabis. Yeah. I think it's only going to grow. Yes. And um, it's really exciting. Can I uh, refer clients to your accelerator? Yes, of course. We're looking for companies. Yeah. Listen, we want, um, we want companies that maybe have had some sort of investment from friends, family. Maybe they've done it on their own. We want companies that we would love companies that have some sort of product already, a prototype, a formulation, a device, something that they've made, but they maybe haven't sold. We want companies that want to look to the United States or Canada or South America or Europe where the markets are truly blossoming. And we want uh, companies that are sort of organized. Like we don't want like three friends and they have no connection between them. Mm -hmm. They have no company. Like, it's not that hard to start a company these days. And to, it's like, you think you can do it by yourself in Israel. You might be able to do it by, you can do it by yourself in America. Something, some organization where they each know what each is responsible for, a team. What about bigger type companies? Companies with quite a few employees that want to have the go-to market factor. They're That's having difficulty with marketing. They need someone to handhold with the go-to-market element. Yes, that is the ideal company. Very few and far between in this space. But that is, that is the ideal. I mean, if we can have a company that's, let's say, based even in the United States, because we're not just, we, we'll, be based, uh, we'll be based physically in Israel, but we will service companies from around the world. So we want companies that might be based in the United States or Israel that have mm. markets or maybe have a small market but like you said their message is like mm -hmm. you know maybe they're like their their name is canna something right very popular like everybody's <laughs> named canna this and canna that that's like red flag immediately right, right. like you can be a little bit more creative yeah. than that and right. we can help you with your marketing we can help you with your distribution so it means with the brand yeah with the, sto the, the, the story of the yes. brand the message yes the, the right. story the founders who are they have this happen What's your logo? What's the meaning behind it? Like, yes, like, how did this come to be? And Excellent. we want that fleshed out if possible. If not, we'll help you flesh it out. Excellent. You know? Okay. Yeah. I, I get that in trademarks. We often have that problem in, yes. in, in branding. And you know, you know, just as I do, that sometimes we're asked to file trademarks that yes. are... Um, Unbelievably descriptive. Correct. That's so why that's if I see one more. it's amazing to hear that yes. uh, it'll be part of the services offered by the accelerator. Correct. If I, like I said, if I hear one more can of something, <laughs> I'm going to freak out. But I agree. Uh, we definitely will provide uh, all types of different services, trademark, marketing, patent, due diligence, business formation, the ethics of, of being in this industry and how to come across um, like an ethical company, um, but a, 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 a everything to distribution and, and packaging and all that kind of Excellent. stuff. Yeah. So who's the team behind the accelerator? So the team is currently myself and two other partners. Uh, two of us are attorneys. I'm, 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 I'm an attorney in America. My partner is Rafi Cohen, who is an attorney here in Israel. He's from Renana. He also very involved in the cannabis industry for many years from a corporate and M&A perspective, from a mergers and acquisitions perspective. And uh, it was, yeah, it was one day we saw each other at a conference here in uh, Israel and got talking about the, 
the the problem in the industry that I described earlier and the niche. And he said, uh, "Yala," as they say in Israel, "Let's <laughs> let's do this. Let's try to get something together." And we brought in a third partner. He is uh, used to live in Israel, made, made Ali, m- m- moved to Israel, then now lives in Colorado, the mm-hmm. epicenter of uh, U.S. Uh, cannabis activity, even before yes. California. His name is Josh Rubin, and uh, the three of us have created a company called Greenlift Holdings, and uh, we have um, been working with a few investors, and uh, we plan to launch uh, very soon. Uh, and um, you know there'll be more information about that hopefully in the coming weeks. But the idea is to again launch six to eight companies. They can be based in Israel. They could be based in in the United States. Our physical location will be in in in. Uh, in um, Israel, in Tel Aviv, and but we'll have some sort of setup in the United States, depending on where the companies are, either in Colorado or Miami, and uh, we'll be able to help them as well. So it'll be a classic accelerator model, edu- 12 weeks, 12 to 16 weeks, uh, mentors will come in, service providers will come in, you know, patent attorneys will come in, trademark attorneys will come in, Excellent. marketing people. You know that Israeli companies are the best to accelerate? Yes, so I know this well. Because they have so much drive. I yeah. once... Um, worked with a, uh, an accelerator in the UK and they were showing me the companies working at the accelerator and one was for Germany and from France and Spain and he was walking me through the projects and he said, you know, if you could find one Israeli company that could just come here and work from here for 10 weeks, it would pay them to come. Wow. And I said, you know, what field? He said, any field. I just want to have their motivation here. And I just want them to impact everyone with their motivation. And I think that uh, it's, it's an amazing, pla- amazing place to be in when you want to accelerate um, Agreed. projects. Agreed. There's something about uh, the Israeli spirit, the mentality, the drive, the passion that, you know, all my years of working in the United States, I've never seen anything like it till I moved here, you know? Um, we may have coined the term entrepreneurship in, in, in America, but uh, it's been living and breathing here since the, the state of Israel has been born. And uh, call it necessity, whatever it might be, um, it's uh, something palpable for sure mm-hmm. in this country. Yeah. What is the one thing that you do in order to stay innovative over time? I love this question. This is a great question. <laughs> so... First of all, I'm going to say that I think that it is so important for an attorney, I'll tell you what I'll do in a second, but it's so important for an attorney to constantly be doing things out of the box in terms of their career in order to stay relevant we can, as well as innovative. And it's something that I try to, at my firm, with the younger attorneys, try to um, uh, uh, teach them because there is a, I don't, I think it's, I don't want to call it, uh, the, the millennial approach, but I do think, and maybe you can edit that out, but I do think that there is something with, um, there's something generational about, you know, thinking out of the box and being innovative as an attorney. And so I just want to say that in terms of advice to your younger attorneys, you should always be innovative. And I can tell you what I do you must stay relevant. I mean, there is absolutely no question about it. The way I stay relevant is I'm constantly blogging. I'm constantly writing, working on, you know, I, 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 I've been editors of books and stuff like that. 
I'm very involved in like professional associations. Like I'm trying to stay always in touch with what is happening in the law in a specific field and as well as the related fields around me. I know some attorneys that don't give a S about that, mm -hmm. right? They re it's so important to understand how you interconnect with other attorneys. One, because it could help you, it can help you get clients, right? Because if you, if you know other attorneys from other fields, they can it feed you clients. That's like the least of it. Right. But it's also understand yes. to you, you're, you, you, no matter what bad rap an attorney gets, no matter what bad reputation it gets, we're still really the first people that, that, that entrepreneurs or companies or big or small, they come to. Do you know this person? Do you know that person? Do you know how to get this done? You know what they're, and it's so important to, know those people, know those services, know those contexts. So constantly keeping yourself involved, whether it's through writing or publishing or presenting or educating, that's uh, something that I'm constantly trying to do. I won't, I, I, I won't, I'm not going to rest on that. I'm, I don't, I want to, I want to constantly be relevant. I want to constantly be relevant for my clients. I don't want to, I don't want to be just stuck in a office somewhere not being in touch with what industry and innovation is up to. Like Excellent. you need to be on top of that. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. What is the one piece of advice that you would give companies wanting to protect their cannabis technology? Just cannabis. Um, so I think the answer would probably go for everything. But uh, I think the one piece of advice I would have is, please, before you spend any sort of money on research and development and marketing and everything like that, please try to visit a patent attorney, try to get some clearance and peace of mind that that which you are embarking on is going to be worth it. Because it is the worst thing in the world when somebody comes to me, big company, big or small, So a solo inventor to a group of inventors at a large company. It's the worst thing in the world when they come to me saying, here's everything we have, is everything we've done. We've spent like $50,000. We spent $5,000. Okay, we spent $1,000. We, we're, we're ready. We're ready to go. It's the worst thing in the world for me to have to deliver bad news. When you, you mean when you do a search? When we do a search, like at that point, right? So I'm, I'm saying they should, they should come to us before they do that because it's the worst thing for me to deliver bad news. And I will deliver bad news sometimes, right? To a, to a But do you always suggest a search? I, 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 want, I want, there should be some, some it, it doesn't have to be a search, but some understanding of the market. Like, like, I agree, like, I agree. Like sometimes you could just do a quick Google search and be like, oh, wow, there's like five other companies that are doing this. Right. Like, really, no, you should no, listen, I agree. <laughs> yeah. But for the patent search side of things, you know, we, I don't necessarily agree that, you know, the patent search should be the first step. Correct. Because, you know, the there is a philosophy Agreed. of don't do a search Agreed. at all. Yep. You will be limited in your way of thinking. Right. Your patent attorney will be limited in his vision That's to your product. Point. The patent search will be done by the U.S. patent attorney, I mean, U.S. patent office. Right. And he may find other things that you're not going to find. And maybe the last point is that as an inventor, you have this, this duty to disclose. Right, correct. And I may not want to disclose certain stuff that I may or may not know about. I so agree with everything. how do everything. you live with, with these limitations? Listen, I agree with everything you're saying, and the answer is not always a patent search, but 
you know, classic entrepreneurial uh, uh, thinking, do a SWOT analysis, they call Absolutely. it, right? So no, something. I agree. Absolutely. Something. Yeah. If, if you don't want to do the patent search, fine, because of all the reasons you mentioned, 100%. But some understanding of the market and where you fit in is really important. Not for your patent, but for your market traction Absolutely. and commercial yeah. viability. No, I'm, I'm completely there. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But I, I'm, a, listen, I'm a big believer in, in, in patent searches. Um, for one reason that you, um, that I think you kind of touched on tangentially, which is, listen, a patent application is going to be your time is your only shot to tell your story to the patent office as to how you have something truly innovative and novel in light of what's come before you, right? That's, that's really what you have patent for, right? And so yes. it's important to have a patent search to understand that, right? There, yes, it could maybe limit in some ways, but in some ways it could really um, further expand on how different you are from others so that when the patent office meets you, right, they're not going to meet you physically, but when they meet your patent application, yep. they know, ah, this is what they're trying to protect. Yes. I'm going to give it to yes, them. Yes, which That's is why we always recommend doing the search yes. before the conversion to the utility application. Yeah, excellent idea. That's, you know, what I feel comfortable excellent. with. So that's my advice. I excellent. Think, um, I think... Uh, I think it's in, I think it's important for, for people to know where they stand. That's all, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, what can we say about education? I'm a big believer in education. I often joke when I uh, teach uh, students, and nor and the normal age of the student I teach is usually like a master's uh, uh, degree student. So they're already older. So I often joke to them, it's too late. Like what I'm about to teach you, it's already too late for you, right? You're so socialized and culturized to not know what is the value of intellectual property. What is the value of the things that you create? I'm a big fan of education for the young, like through, you know, kinder, through kindergarten to 12th grade. Those Excellent. are when the students are most open and, and we, I mean, at least in the United States, we fail at, Unbelievable. at, at yeah. teaching students the value of what they create at those ages. And so it's my mission to teach students like Amazing. that. Amazing. should happen here in Israel as I well. Had, well, I want to tell you that uh, when my children were younger, I went to their school and I had a patent class. I love it. So, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so every year I would come with this PowerPoint, giving them examples. And each year I gave them a project of what would you invent if you had this problem? And now the things that came up in this class were unbelievable. Oh my God, I love it. And once what we <laughs> did was we took a, a class of uh, 30 kids and we said, okay, there's a lot of accidents on the road. Your parents are very connected to the phone. We need to think of inventions to do with road safety. What would you do to help your parents be less distracted by phones and the, the 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 results were amazing we should more like that like there needs to be there needs to be more ilanits going more parents like ilanit going into their kids schools and teaching them so let's this. do a program for we children should, we should do i a love program. it they're so creative they're not affected by anything at that age right um, maybe a little social media they're affected by but <laughs> but uh, maybe in a positive way but their 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 minds are so creative and open so the fact that they could invent something and then understand how to protect and maybe even monetize it at that age 
And these are the future entrepreneurs. The first prize, by the way, was to file a provisional for the winning project. And so did whatever happened to the winning project? Yeah, we, we got a provisional filed. You did? And nothing happened to the actual well, solution? Well, we didn't have the, the necessary funds to get this further. Ah, the problem always. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the spark in their eyes was amazing. Thanks, David. I think it was a great uh, talk. Very fun. And let's go have coffee. Awesome. <laughs> Yalla. <laughs> thank you for listening. I also want to thank our producer, Yossi Matz. Thanks, Yossi. If there are any topics that you want us to cover in one of our next episodes, please go to our website, www.ipfeld.com and write to us. Tell us what you have in mind and see you in the next episode.